From Southern California, this is Outlook in Review, a summary of world headlines, technology and business news, arts and entertainment features, and instructive encouragement from the Praiselite Media Studios, Thousand Oaks, California. Good day, it's Wednesday, the 10th of April, 2019. After very mild temperatures in the central U.S., including 80 degrees in Denver yesterday, a massive winter storm bringing snow and ice to much of the Midwest is rolling through, giving spring a serious setback. A low of 25 degrees in Denver and almost 2 inches of snow is expected, and that's not the only area the twin cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota will see wild swings in temperature. Minneapolis, Minnesota hit 70 degrees on Monday. By Thursday, the city is expected to experience full-blown blizzard conditions, including 8 to 12 inches of snow. This according to CNN Weather, which states that after the snow, flooding is possible in areas that in recent weeks have gotten swamped including the inundated Nebraska, which is still reeling from massive floods the past few months. Walmart is hiring robots to replace human tasks that humans didn't, quote, enjoy doing, end quote. In a bid to save on labor costs, it's betting on robots to clean floors, sort inventory, and replenish out-of-stock items in its stores, this according to a report by the Wall Street Journal. The Verge reports that Walmart has several jobs in mind for the new robots. Robot floor cleaners are coming to 1,500 stores. Walmart is also adding 600 conveyor belts that can sort inventory automatically, and at least 300 bots that can scoot along store aisles and check if the store is running out of any stock on items. All of this is coming at the cost of human labor. The more robots Walmart hires, the fewer people it needs for each task, and the more money it saves across its 4,600 stores in the U.S. With the news of Amazon cutting prices across their Whole Foods stores, it seems that Walmart is ramping up the effort to lower prices in their various locations as well as increase their online grocery offerings. The following is a special report by Outlook in Review. This will take the place of the arts feature due to its length. Listener discretion is advised as the content addresses a very difficult but extremely urgent situation in the world today which may not be suitable for our younger listeners. In 1941, the Nazis dubbed theirs the Final Solution. This era calls theirs the right to choose. Both genocides utilize equally obscure names and excuse them unequivocally under terms like health, science, and safety. 
Both genocides were and are being accepted and endorsed by entire groups, generations, and cultures. Cultures that, when challenged, strongly worked and continue to work to defend their right to justify and carry out this genocide while defining it as something entirely different, simultaneously denying that it is, in fact, genocide. Both genocides contained and contained supporters who also deny that the actions definitive of murder are occurring on a large scale, stating that it is the rare case, or the rumors have got it wrong, even some stating that the killing of Jews or babies was not and is not in fact murder. There is, however, one marked difference between the genocide of the Jewish race in World War II and the genocide of baby boys and girls both before, during, and even after birth. Although it crept up on thousands unawares and without warning, in most cases the Jews in World War II heard the news and rumors, acted, escaped, fought back, or at least understood their situation as the final solution gained traction throughout the Axis powers of World War II. The same cannot be said for even one baby on either side of the mother's womb in today's genocide when it is either left to die after being born subsequent to a failed abortion or when their own bodies are skewered or snipped to death while still nestled inside their mother's body. These baby boys and girls never hear the news and rumors, cannot act to defend themselves, have no escape, cannot fight back, and not one has been able to understand their situation as the right to choose takes away their young life, almost, but not quite, before it began. In today's age of instant news, data, graphic images from across the globe, and history at our fingertips, it seems almost as if we are unable to comprehend the reality or magnitude of the situation which has been brewing now for some decades. Nor do we seem to realize the rate at which its effects have exponentially escalated just over the past few years. We look back on the horrors of the Nazi genocide carried out in the 1930s and 40s against the Jewish people and many of us think to ourselves that we have progressed past that type of evil in today's modern world. Others of us feel that nothing can quite compare to the atrocities that occurred at the concentration camps and we have learned our lesson as a global community. Still others simply excuse all comparisons or warnings as political bias untruths and examples of Godwin's law, nothing more. However, biblical Christians see all things through a redeemed perspective filtered through the knowledge of the Word of God. This includes not only personal decisions, priorities, and actions, but it also changes the worldview and the way that Christians understand and discern the times in which they live. This redeemed perspective reveals that any type of genocide is evil, an abomination, and certainly not sanctioned by God. Many looking to argue or discredit the Bible or Christians try to make the argument that genocide was in fact commanded by God in the Old Testament. However, those accounts revolved around a theocratic nation, the ancient nation of Israel, in which those who defiled the law of God were most often oppressed, conquered, and killed. However, since the age of the New Testament, the people of God have been sojourners and exiles in the world, living across the globe, and we are called to submit and to respect the government and the law which is put into place by those whom God permits to rule, as we read in Romans 13. 
and in Hebrews 1 we read, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. These definitive contrasts between then and now show that the type of conquering done in ancient Israel is now in no way, shape, or form authorized or acceptable for today's Christians. Tragically, some today have been deluded into teaching themselves redefined terms to dull their conscience, declaring that babies are not human before being born, or can't feel pain in the womb, in the very same way that so many deluded themselves into believing the Jewish people were somehow subhuman, inferior, or other excuses in order to alleviate their own dying conscience. Still others affirm that indeed the fetus is a human, but they say that this human is not a person. In this humanist view they reject God and define a person as someone registered as a citizen, and thus only those as such have a right to life. In an age of science and knowledge, one might assume that these types of lies might never stand in the face of what biology and rational thought mandate, particularly in the minds of those who profess extensive knowledge of medicine, science, and healthcare. But the Christian worldview clears the way to understanding how and why these types of mindsets can coexist simultaneously when we read Romans chapter 1. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 we are reminded that the so-called wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. Even while adoption agencies and services are increasing around the world and all too often readily available, our world is currently not only enduring a horrific genocide of 125,000 babies every single day, but advocating for it, going so far as to demonize those who fight against this infanticide, and simultaneously excusing the entirety of this massacre under the guise of a woman's right to choose, to choose who gets to live and who must die on the altar of her rights, passions, career, finances, health, or any other cause, any of which provide for, in the minds of so many, a justifiable avenue to murder. But considering scripture, all these self-focused excuses become invalid as we read in 1 Corinthians 10 that none of us are to seek our own good, but the good of others, in this case our very own babies. Some attempt to excuse the extinguishing of new life under the guise of a morbid and corrupted so-called selflessness with the unconscionable claim that the health condition of the baby dictates that the quality of life would be too low. However, these justifications too come back void in the Christian understanding as God specifically deals with disabilities and handicaps in Exodus 4 when he states unequivocally, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? So what do we do? In World War II era Europe, many Christians hid Jews from the Nazis to save them from certain murder in the ongoing genocide. For most cases, this type of action is not possible in the light of the infanticide of this era, and so we must recognize the root of this evil. What is the cause? What is at the heart of this desire to kill in the name of self? 
The answer is sin, pure and simple. Sin was at the heart of the Nazi genocide of millions of people, and sin is at the heart of the genocide of 40 to 50 million babies every single year, according to the World Health Organization. So what do we do? We evangelize, just as if a Jewish family was knocking on our door, seeking refuge from those who wanted to exterminate them. We must, without delay, seek to effect a rescue and evangelize the lost, the men and women, fathers and mothers-to-be, doctors and all people, and in so doing we are putting forth our best effort to rescue countless helpless babies from extermination. So what else do we do? We pray. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 tells us to pray without ceasing. Multiple other passages command us to pray, to be in constant communion with our Savior, and to make our petitions known to Him. Call out to God on behalf of these helpless babies, 100 of which are killed on average just over every minute. Evangelize the lost, pray without ceasing, and if there is any opportunity to do so, sacrifice your own time, your money, and life by rescuing one or more of these countless babies through adoption. An amazing picture of what Christ did for us, since while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, to redeem us who were under the law, trapped in our sin, so that we might receive adoption, adoption into the family of God. Thanks for listening to Outlook in Review. Contact us anytime with questions or comments. We'd always love to hear from you. We're on Twitter at Outlook in Review and Facebook.com forward slash Outlook in Review, where you can find information to various topics we cover on the show. Until next time from Thousand Oaks, California, I'm Ben Ditzel. This is Outlook in Review. Outlook in Review.